Emily Bolt. I'm an actor, teacher, and a new mom. Once I became pregnant, I went on a hunt for answers to all my questions about being a working actor mom. And what did I find? Practically nothing. So here I am asking all the questions to try to figure out how people do it. How are mothers balancing and not balancing parenthood in this crazy industry? Join me and my amazing guests as we take a real look into the lives of working moms in the entertainment industry. On today's episode of Mommy Wood, I'm talking with Anna Danielle Bushlack, and it was such a a joy. I have known Anna since I was probably about eight and it was really full circle to talk to her now about motherhood and being a creative artist and it was so great to hear all of the things she's done, the places she's been and how she's been able to fill her creative soul in markets that you wouldn't necessarily think of and how she's been able to combine things like yoga with storytelling and doing musical improv and just really finding her niche and she currently lives in St. Louis with her family and she's really been able to find her place in St. Louis and find success and what success looks like for her now and we talk about how the vision of success, whatever that means, can change over time and how uh, what you do after on the other side of a dream when a dream comes true she had her one woman show and she toured with this amazing show that she wrote about her sister and what it looked like on the other side of a dream once something that you've wanted to do comes true and what you do on the other side of that and then what it means to lose yourself and not have that creative outlet and then coming around on the other side and figuring that all out. This was such a wonderful conversation and she is in St. Louis with her family which was really cool to hear about all the creative places and uh, things that people can do in St. Louis. It's great. And I really hope you get a lot out of this episode. Anna is such a beautiful soul, beautiful person, and has three beautiful children. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Mommy Wood with Anna and Yell Bushlack. Oh my God. I'm so excited to talk to you. I was just thinking, like, I was like, wow. Anna has really done so much for me personally. What? Like, I was thinking, do you, you might not even remember when I was um, looking at colleges. Yeah. Applying, you helped me with my, I had to do a Shakespeare monologue. Oh, right. And you helped me like translate it. Yes. And like all of the things and then <laughs> and then of course 
you let me live with you in Chicago. Truth. <laughs> For like five weeks, six yes. weeks. Eight weeks. I don't know. It was a long time. <laughs> and I'm like, you just let me live with her. Well, and yeah. In high school. You're like my surrogate little sister. <laughs> <laughs> but like looking back on that, I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I had the capacity to even thank you enough. Oh. But yeah, looking back, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> What a great person you are. <laughs> uh, that's very kind. And it must be said that I would not have allowed someone to come live with me if they were a total asshole. So basically, like, you are a gem of a human being that is easy to have around. Well, you and your guitar. I mean, do you not remember that you're like strumming and playing and singing? And that's a delight to have around oh, i know i need to get back into playing uh, yeah it's funny to look back and be like i was like a senior in high school and i was like i'm gonna go to chicago and then i'll just like play some open night my <laughs> yeah yeah it takes guts yeah yeah i need some more of those guts again do you feel like <laughs> do you feel like you're lacking in the guts i guess i mean i mean i guess i'm still here I'm still in LA. I'm still pursuing. I feel like I guess that takes guts, but I haven't, um, I haven't done any songwriting or yeah. music for myself in a long time. And I was talking to my mom when she was visiting and I was like, what did I like say I wanted to be when I grow up? And she was like, She's like, well, most of the time you wanted to be a singer. And mm -hmm. I was like, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Like that I was like, well, maybe I'm not as talented in this. And I'll just like, I don't know. Emily! That, okay. Let's back up, back up, back up. I should be Taylor Swift. <laughs> you are you are overflowing with talent. Oh. It's it's all about choosing which path is going to give you the most energy yes because everything is going to take energy yeah right and all of it's going to be like sucking our soul oh my god so which path as as that energy is coming at us which path are we on that feels like you know what this is giving me energy yeah as much as it's demanding of me yeah it's not about the talent because you got so much talent and you're just pinky finger. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, you're sweet. Um, okay. So let's, I, okay. So first of all, tell me like your, tell us your kids' names and their ages. Okay. Yes. So I, so I have Sean. Away. I know I'm just going to die. <laughs> Sean is 14. No, he's not. I don't. Yes. Think. Yes, he is. And just got his cell phone. No. We, we've really held out for as long as possible. Good, Good for he you. Told us that he's the only person who doesn't have a phone. Who knows if that's true? Might be, but 14. Then Audrey just turned 12 and she was just in the school spring musical annie she was annie no oh my god 
Yes. Yes. Like, sighing. She did a great job. Like, she did such a great job. Yeah. And Sean was in it too. He was FDR. So he was in a wheelchair. <laughs> and then my niece, Mia, was Miss Hannigan. So oh, there was a whole contingent. It was a delight. Oh, that's so fun. It was super fun. So Audrey, 12. And then Frankie girl, Frankie is nine and a half. Oh my God, you, wow, how? Also, yeah. Cecilia, my producer, she's, yeah. uh, her son's name is Frankie. Oh, it's a great name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my daughter is Frances, except it's an E-S instead of an I-S on the end. Oh, it's a yeah. great name, it's so fun, Frankie. Yeah, okay, and wait, before we move on, Sweet May, how old is she now? She'll be 11 months next week. Whoa! I know. I'm, I don't, I don't understand how time works when it comes to children. <laughs> like when you're younger and it's like the school year and summer seems so long. And now it's like, I have not, and, aged <laughs> or like feel like I've yeah not that like I don't feel like I've done anything with my life but like you know the past year I'm like well I'm I haven't gotten older how is she already 11 months yeah, yeah. like time is really a a mind fuck <laughs> yes it is what and 12 months I feel like is just a celebration of mom and dad way yeah. to go you yeah. made it through the first year <laughs> you survived yeah i feel like once you get there you're like okay it's not as easy to mess up anything anymore right yeah. yes like i can breathe a little bit she's sturdy she <laughs> she she's eating peanut butter she's got <laughs> yes it's a it feels huge doesn't it it really does. It's crazy. Oh. And then looking to other people where you're like, um, cause now I'm looking at you and I'll be like, oh my gosh, her kids are like grown. Like you've probably got it all figured out. And then okay. when May's nine years old, I'm like, oh, this is what Anna was going through. <laughs> okay. No. Okay. no, I thought Never. everything was great. And cause I think of that for everyone who's like a little, stage above where I'm like oh they they're ahead of me they got this part figured out and it's like oh no mm -mm. oh no oh no if you handed me an 11 month old I would be <laughs> as confused of like I don't know why are why are they crying who knows what else do they need god nobody only knows <laughs> yeah nobody knows nobody knows um okay so give me just your little background of like before before having kids like <laughs> where you were leading leading up like to that yeah yeah your whole life story before <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> but like um i guess more career uh career wise and things yes like that. yeah so my training is in theater both acting and playwriting and then I used that and created my own one woman show that I toured around to different cities, um, fringe festivals, schools, and was both performing and teaching. Um, 
and that the show was about my younger sister who's developmentally delayed and she had her first psychotic break when we were teenagers so the the one woman show looked at my sister both as a young kid and then through that psychotic break um and then on the other side of it so i was i was teaching both about you know the differences inside of community and how we can step past stereotypes to to see like the greater truth underneath um and as I was traveling around, I got to go to New York and perform um, in the New York International Fringe Festival. I was out in LA for the Los Angeles Women's Theater Festival. And as I did that, I thought I'm kind of on the other side of a dream. Like I've, I've had this dream, I've wanted to do this. And I knew that I wanted to shift my life in some way, but I wasn't sure. And then I met my now husband. So, I took a right turn from Chicago, where I was living at the time, to South Bend, Indiana, which isn't that far, um, but he was getting a PhD at the University of Notre Dame. And I what thought, well, this is no big deal. What? Study? Theology. What oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So PhD in ethics. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... I, I did a little bit of teaching in high school um, in South Bend and then went into arts administration where I was a house manager and I was managing live performance events, thousands of people. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was high pressure, a lot of customer service, a lot of knowledge about the arts, um, mm -hmm. but not creative yeah. myself. Sure. So that's where I was when I had my first child. And I would say I was probably creatively stifled mm -hmm. because I was just, I mean, I'd fallen in love and created this like amazing relationship that I knew was where I was supposed to be, but I'd moved to a very small town that I felt like didn't have a lot of creative opportunities. It, it was nothing like Chicago. Um, okay. So that's, that's where I was, where I was, I think I was still hanging in that space of what do I do on the other side of that dream? And it became the creation of a dream about family, but the creativity piece was something I was still trying to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's, that's hard. Cause mm. when did, how did you make that decision um when you were in chicago so did you guys meet you and your husband meet in chicago or how did you guys meet i was i was touring my one woman show my older brother uh had started a master's program at notre dame and so a bunch of their friends were ras in the dorms and they they had a little bit of programming money and so they put their programming money together brought me to Notre Dame. So I performed at the university. And then afterwards, my brother and his wife, Susie, and a bunch of their friends took me out. And that's where I met my husband. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. So his first experience of me was through my performance. Wow. Yeah. So so you were still touring. So what was that decision like? to move to Indiana with him. 
how long, like, what was that process like? Cause we're, so you were touring when you met him, then yeah. were you, was he in Indiana and you were in, um, still touring Chicago. Yes. Was it long distance for a little while? Yeah, it was. And there's a train that goes back and forth between Chicago and South Bend. It's called the South Shore Line. Right. You said it's not that far. It seems it's not. I, don't, I know. It will. And I think that it seems forever. <laughs> I know. Well, deceptively, I thought I can move to South Bend. I can always take the train back in to Chicago whenever I need to. I was working at Trader Joe's in Chicago and it felt like my life is transient. You know, I have the ability to pick up and, and go do these other things. And so I'd also been a part of previous relationships that didn't feel as genuine and true as this one. So I think it was a good time. I was, I was experiencing that sensation of I'm on the other side of this dream about this theatrical production. I'm ready to create some kind of a shift why not explore this relationship especially when my family my brother and sister-in-law are are there i can go live with them which is what i did i moved in with them and they were pregnant with their first baby and so i got to be a, a doula in their birthing room and i mean i'm not i'm not a registered doula but i got to help and so uh, there were so many pluses in my mind of making that switch but i i just i didn't i didn't fully take in what it would be like to leave the creative world of chicago yeah because when you were still in chicago were you still pursuing um were you like auditioning or how was that and then how was the decision yeah when you decided to move so you thought like I could do both and then it ended yeah. up not yeah i thought i can be back and forth between both places um more easily i was in talks with an organization in chicago who was willing to like put some money behind my performance um and and maybe do some more performances in the chicago area but they wanted me to change the performance in some ways and I'm sure that there was a part of me that's like, I don't really want to change what I'm doing. It's my, this is my piece. Yeah. Um, but I think I also had an erroneous <laughs> belief that I was like, yes, I can still continue to figure this out, even if I'm living an hour and a half away. Um, so there were still things happening, but I just slowly like unhooked from the Chicago area. I mean, friends of mine had a theater company in Chicago and I was doing some work with them. Um, but I was also looking at master's programs and, and thinking about, do I, do I move away from Chicago for other reasons? So I think I was just, I was in a space where I wanted a change. Yeah. And it just so happened that I fell in love in that same time. And then it just worked out. So then you were, so then how long were you in Indiana? Five years. Okay. And then so you our first two kids were born in Indiana. And then we moved to Minnesota. That's where he got his first academic position. Okay. And that's when I was able to, I, I wasn't the breadwinner anymore. 
So then I was able to put together a demo, a voiceover demo reel, and I got fresh headshots taken. And I started as a teaching artist with an after-school program. And I really started diving back into creativity as I had young kids. Yeah. Um, how, how was that? Cause that seemed, that's so awkward. But yeah. Cause you have two young kids. You're, yeah. I guess, like you were saying more, it's more of getting back into mm -hmm. it after a bit. And then, yeah. What, what did that look like? Were you able to have like help with the kids or were you just juggling everything or like, how did that look for you like logistically <laughs> yeah so at that at that time i could bring the kids with me to a voiceover audition and the agents <laughs> didn't mind the kids sitting up in the lobby and i would go down to the recording studio in the basement record the audition and then come back up and and go um if I booked a gig, I was heavily reliant upon our next door neighbors. We just had these amazing next door neighbors who really enveloped our children. And uh, they would pop in and stay with the kids or, um, but it was definitely more difficult. Yeah. I mean, hands down, more difficult to juggle kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, that's so cool that you were getting into voiceover and stuff when you were in Minnesota. How fun is that? Wait, you said Minnesota, right? Did yes, I... yes, yes, yes. All of a yes. sudden, I was like, wait, did I have a stroke? What's going on? <laughs> uh, well, yes. so I guess at the University of Notre Dame, while I was still working, they put me to work on some commercials. And so I did some voiceover work, unpaid voiceover work for the university that I loved oh, and I took some of those recordings with me and when I brought them to the sound engineer in Minnesota he was like we can't use these and I was like okay that's fine we'll just create a new one but I think that's where I I first had the idea of if I'm gonna jump back in I'd like to jump back in using my voice and that way I don't have to worry about what this mom body looks like right now yeah yeah. But as soon as the agent heard my reel and looked at my resume, she was like, okay, I want you to go get headshots taken and we're going to send you out for some on-camera auditions. Sorry, you're actually an actor. Can you, can you do some of that also? Yes. I mean, it's so interesting about our bodies and things like that where I, obviously as a woman, as an actor, we feel the whole stupid like bounce back or just vanity mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. you know at the very least like feeling comfortable in our these new newly yes. formed <laughs> bodies that yes. we um so yeah that is uh how how did that um play out for you once you were like okay well now I'm gonna have to get these headshots was were you just kind of like okay this is is what it is or was there any type of um like hesitancy for yeah that? yes yeah. I I think there's definitely a hesitancy 
to be seen, to be fully seen yeah. as a mom is a much softer mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, I mean, I get this, I get this sensation of just like, I mean, my, my kids are just constantly around and in and snugly, you know, it's not a presentational space. Yeah. It is a, and hopefully, I mean, this is my, my hope is that that's what my kids feel is that it is a and warm, accepting environment. But a lot of times that feels in opposition to what's going on in a headshot or what's happening in an audition room. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, it feels really awkward. And I also just felt like we didn't have a ton of money and I didn't want to go out and buy new clothes, but a lot of my clothes were still like either post maternity squishy space of like, what size am I? I don't know. It's just whatever fits today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel like I keep trying on pants and then I'll be like, I'm buying them because they fit. Yes. But then I'm like, I don't want to, I'm, I will not buy a whole new wardrobe, but then things are like, okay, they fit here, mm -hmm. but not in this place anymore. Yeah. Cause yes. it doesn't even it's not so much like my body's going to go back to what it was before. It's, no. it's different. It's, it's different. Organs have been rearranged. Right. And it takes like, I, it takes almost a year for them yeah. to like fully at least go back yes. to where they were in your body, regardless of like the other things. <laughs> yes. It's, it's very bizarre. Well, I've been doing a lot of research about, what happens biologically inside of moms as they house a human being and then give birth to that human being the ways in which our cells are like truly linked or syncing up with the babies um that we are we are a fully changed human from start to finish and some of the research that i read was that the female brain if you look at a scan of the brain prior to giving birth and then you look at a scan of the brain after giving birth there is a there's a reduction of like some of the the gray matter similar to uh someone who experiences brain injuries so like that level of trauma that the body goes through which is a beautiful, wondrous, powerful thing, but yeah. it's trauma. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. I feel like there's not enough, honestly, sadly, I feel like because it's women and not men that there's just not enough studies and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like there's not enough information. I'm like, we've yeah. sent people to the moon. <laughs> and we don't know how female bodies still actually really work. Yes. <laughs> it's insane. I yes. So all that to say, I, I mean, it's, it was a daily practice of being gentle with myself. 
in getting headshots and then getting those headshots back and be like, okay, I mean, I guess this is it. <laughs> I guess this is as good as it's going to get. <laughs> I'm sure they were beautiful. Well, and then it's hard because, yeah, not all headshots are meant to be, especially now, like it's shifted where it's like, we want what you look like. It's uh -huh. not a pretty like glamour shot anymore. Yeah. Like, this is this is what I look like. Yes. Yeah. And it's not even on my great day. It's no. <laughs> on a day, this is what I look like. And yeah. it's and it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. So it's it's a level of acceptance instead of projecting out what I hope people see or what, or how I hope I come across, there's a level of acceptance of this is, this is just who I am. These are life choices that I have made that are inherent in my body. Now I carry myself differently, um, whether I like it or not. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, so how did your goals then, or maybe not even goals, but priorities or whatever, when it came, comes to your creativity and um, like artistic career, did, how did those change like once you had your kids and then how have they shifted throughout? Um, that yeah their ages <laughs> yeah well i think that's why i was so interested in doing voiceover and on camera auditions because though i missed theater i didn't want to commit to a long rehearsal process or performance schedule that would take me away from home in the evenings or on the weekends i wanted to be home so I was interested in finding ways to be creative that that one I would get paid <laughs> and two that would be a lower amount of time and could possibly fit into my life as a as a mom easier um then speaking of getting paid how were between certain jobs of like artistic jobs what was like your um steady did you have a a steady source of income yeah so that was working as an after-school program coordinator for a program called synergy and it was for middle school students and they would look at issues that they saw in their own schools and then create a performance about that so lots of times it was about bullying sometimes they knew somebody who had cancer and so it was about cancer awareness or there was this super cool performance that a group of students put together where they witnessed somebody being bullied on a bus um, and so they recreated the bus as the performance and then like incorporated song and dance with it i mean like i, I watched kids do some really incredible things so I, I was a program coordinator for that after school program for a number of years while my kids were really young. And, and then I also worked for the Y, which was another, I loved, loved working for the Y and I got certified to teach kids yoga 
as well as teach theater. And then my kids could come to the little like childcare area. That's and I would sometimes work in the childcare area or be teaching classes. Yeah. Did you, um, so you got certified to teach yoga, but it sounds like you have, you've had so much experience in jobs that to me sounds like I would be like, I'm not qualified or like, how did those jobs come to you? Or how did you, did you have to get like other certifications or was it just like you had, you have the skill set, and it was like, they needed somebody like, how did that work? I got emergency certified my first year in South Bend that a, a teacher took a medical leave and it was in English, teaching English to high school students something like four three or four sections of sophomores and then a section of juniors and seniors and the reason that somebody came and asked me to do it was because of um studying shakespeare and they were they were going to be studying julius caesar so i got thrown into i mean not thrown into i volunteered myself to be this high school teacher for six months but we were primarily working on Julius Caesar. And so I just pulled from my acting ability and script analysis, which I think is so fun. Mm -hmm. And then we we just walked through Julius Caesar that semester. Wow. Yes. So then you got um, emergency certified for- Emergency certified, like, yeah. Actually, for actually teaching. Wow, that yeah. things work out. That's so crazy. They do. And if I had chosen to keep going, and there were different times in my life where I thought maybe I'll go get a master's in education and that way I can pair this and I could um I, I could have chosen to do that. Yeah. It was because this school was just in a lurch that they 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 can do a temporary emergency certification. Wow, that's <laughs> wild. So um so then from South Bend to Minnesota, yeah. then we're next. <laughs> yeah. So then we were in Minnesota for five years. And uh, then in 2016, we moved to St. Louis. So my husband's from Minnesota and I'm from St. Louis. And so I finally said, please, I please. really want to go home. <laughs> um, yeah. What did, what did that decision look like? Was it just, I'm ready to be near my family? Yeah, that was that was it primarily. I I mean yeah, I think it's that's we, I mean that's all it takes. That uh, that was really it. Yeah. Yeah, I I think simply put, my my husband still misses Minnesota, loves Minnesota. We loved the Twin Cities. The Twin Cities are phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um and if my family didn't live in St. Louis, I think we would have just stayed sure. in Minnesota but and especially with what's that that's where his family is that's where yeah his parents are in minnesota uh six months of the year and then they do six months in florida Ooh. Huh. Yeah. Uh, now how far is minnesota from st louis it's a 10 to 12 hour drive depending okay. on how not, many times okay. <laughs> not not quite a trade ride <laughs> No, no, it's a big, it was a big move. It was a really big move. So that was, so you moved with, um, with your two older and then you had your third in St. 
Minneapolis? No. So we moved with our two oldest kids from South Bend to Minnesota across the country with a two and a half year old and an infant. And then in 2016, we moved from Minnesota to St. Louis across the country with three kids. Oh, and see, I don't know how time works. <laughs> bananas. It is bananas to move across the country with tiny children. Yeah. How old was it's Frankie's the youngest. Frankie's the youngest. Uh, was she then? She was two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. You're like, I'm ready to be near my family with all these kids. Yeah. I mean, I feel yeah. I was thinking about that when um, I was watching like the kids I teach perform yeah. and having like <clears throat> their parents or whoever there, and then I was like, oh. If she's in a show, yeah, it's gonna look like, and yeah. Yeah, it's 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 no joke. Yeah, well, my husband's an only child, and then my older brother is here in St. Louis, and he has four kids. So at the time, my kids' only cousins were in St. Louis, and I thought I really want them to be around their cousins. I I real, and then when we moved here where my my nieces and go to school that's where my kids now go to school and my children line up with my brother's three youngest so they've been in school with their cousins for the past seven years and it's adorable they get to be in shows together they are in a show it's amazing emily i mean it was phenomenal I'm gonna die that's so sweet it makes my heart ache <laughs> It We're does. Not, it's, I feel like that's such, um, we are not ready, but that, uh, and I see that as if we will be ready to move home at, at some, or my home, not Preston's, yeah. <laughs> but move back at some point. But it's not that like, I see that in the future, mm. but it is, it, the more and more it is, it gets just harder and harder. And it's a, it is a pull. It's thing. an ache. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I, I don't think it means that you have to ever move home. You don't have to ever act upon that. But it is an ache that I think always exists. Yeah. It's um, so when you moved to St. Louis, then what um, what did that look like? <laughs> um, obviously. I know why you moved, but, um, but then what sort of, um, things, cause I feel like you've had a few shifts in, um, in different jobs since you've been back to St. Louis. And I would love to hear more about the storytelling workshops yeah. and things that you're teaching now and the improv that you're doing and how yeah. it's all come yes. to me because i yeah. think also i love that we're talking about these cities that like are not los angeles they're not chicago it's not i it's not new york where it's like you because i feel like so many people think and even me being like well if i move to st louis that's i'm i'm yeah. not pursuing anymore but i love that you've found so much in St. Louis and in these other cities to 
fill you creatively. And one of my friends is in St. Louis and she's started doing like commercial auditions also. And I'm like, this yeah. is great. Yes, yes. It is incredible to discover just how much is going on on a local level. Um, I, I have the benefit of someone that I was friends with in high school started the improv shop here in St. Louis. I so I got into, I know. <laughs> yep. Before I moved back, I got in touch with him and just said, hey, give me an update on just what are the things that are happening around town that you are really interested in? And he said, you should really come see the improv shop and like just see the things that we're doing here. And he kept saying, whatever you want to teach here, just come teach. And I said, I don't have any improv, formal improv training. I did do improv. I did musical improv in Chicago for the Noble Fool Theater. <laughs> musical improv. Now that that's one, I have a ton of improv experience, but I've yet to do the musical. Improv. So that's what we do every month. We put on an improvised musical. Um, and it is a blast and yeah. it is so terrifying and exhilarating at the same time. <laughs> it's nice to not have to prepare though, right? Well, it is. <laughs> not bad, not bad. But it was through that connection with my friend, Kevin, that I eventually said, you know what I'd really love? I would really love, since I did my own one woman show, I would really love to do storytelling. I would love to get people up on their feet telling their personal stories. And he said, great, we'll, we'll put you on the next roster and we'll try to get people to fill your class. And Boy. that's how I started doing storytelling classes was just through the improv shop. Yeah. And the more I did that, and I got some people to come to those classes. They some some of the students said, "You know what? I really need. I need a writing class. If you were teaching a writing class, I would take it." And I was like, "Okay, I guess I'll do that too." So then I put together a writing class, and and it's just been like piece by piece that I've started a more consistent teaching on a yearly basis of either live storytelling, writing creative nonfiction. Um, and then working one-on-one -on -one with clients. So I've had people who've put together their own solo performances. I've had people who are working on memoirs, um, someone who was doing a collection of poetry, but it was poetry about their life. And um, yeah, someone else who wanted to do a children's book. And I said, that is not my expertise, but I'm happy to give you some writing prompts or like, look at what you're working on. And so I've just started working with different people, both here in St. Louis and then through Zoom. Yeah. Um, and while I was at the improv shop teaching, I started meeting some other people who were putting together a musical improv team. And because I'd had that experience in Chicago, I thought, sure, why not? I'll, I can do that. I can make up a song on the spot. Yeah. Um, and so for the past five years, we've formed this team that now we're we are performing for i mean we we sell out our our house on a monthly sometimes twice monthly basis um it's so fun it and so crazy awesome. yeah it sounds like you've really like found your 
your peace. I don't know what the word yeah. is. I'll just say that. <laughs> well, I think it's also letting go of the the vision in my head of what it would mean to to have made it, which I think for me at the time was if I could get into a show in Chicago, Steppenwolf, somehow that will be me making it. But what I really put my energy into was my own solo performance and touring it around to different places. And I think the same here that is performing musical improv here in St. Louis, like making it. Well, I don't, I really don't even know what that means anymore other than am I getting energy from the creative things that I'm doing? And yes, I am. Yeah. Like it's giving me as much as I'm giving to it. Yeah. And having like your fulfilled personal life and your fulfilled creative life, it seems like has really found a good. Yeah. Yes. A constant give and take, right? I like set my creative life aside to pursue this relationship and building a family and make sure that his career got launched in a way that he wanted it to. And then slowly we were able to like turn the ship and, <laughs> and then suddenly more time opened up for me to be able to dig into my creative life. But there were many, many times where I thought, well, I'm just, I won't ever be creative again yeah. because now I'm a mom or now I need to make money. And instead still figuring out, well, hang on, I do, I need this creative piece in order to be a healthy, balanced person. Yeah. So even here in St. Louis, where it doesn't seem like it's a place where I can make it big, right. I can book commercial gigs and voiceover stuff and find a creative team of people who all want to do this crazy musical improv with me. And I'm, I keep learning and I keep growing and I keep risking and that's super fulfilling. That's amazing. Well, and I will say I have bought products from you that you have, uh, like you were the person on the like video of i forget what exactly the products were oh but was it uh an energizer uh flashlight no <laughs> i don't know what it was but it wasn't <laughs> but i was on amazon and i was like oh, oh was it the baby scale yes it was the greater goods baby scale oh <laughs> that's what it was yes and i was like hold on <laughs> but like even just things like that you're like that's great you're like, it's, little, like whatever it is surprisingly fun to do advertising for people who really believe in their product yeah. or have um, a unique approach to telling a story about you know, marketing for a flashlight or marketing for a scale or marketing for whatever. And the fact that I get to go in there and I've done some e-learning videos, yeah. which is teleprompter work. And I find it so exciting yeah. to be given things that maybe I haven't seen and that I have to execute very quickly. And the last time this woman hired me, she'd hired me twice. And she said, 
do you have a background in broadcast journalism? And I said, no. And she said, how do you know how to do this? I said, I don't know, but I think it's so fun. <laughs> so naturally. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I am not a singer songwriter. You are. That's not my skill set, right? But if someone put put words in front of me and they're like, very quickly, just read those out loud. I There's some fun gymnastics in my head that happen that gives me energy. And I'm like, oh, okay, I can do that. Oh man, Anna, I could talk to you for like 500 hours. <laughs> I know you have a lot going on. <laughs> so I'm just gonna ask you one of my, uh, the last question I ask everybody is for your life right now, mm -hmm. um, be it the creative side, the mom side, both, whatever, what has been, what's like your lifesaver right now? It could be a um, mantra, it could be a product, it could be. Yeah. Uh, I have been training as a yoga teacher and so got my 200 hour last year and now working on my 500 hour and my yoga practice as well as um foray into meditation has really been the lifesaver that keeps me from getting like too caught up in like worrying about the kids or what what exactly is going on with them or are they doing okay or worrying about when's the next creative project going to come along or how am i going to get money for x y or z and i think uh, the practice of yoga and of being present inside of this body and not trying to change it, just be present inside of it has been truly the lifesaver that helps both when I'm on stage or when I'm in um, a voiceover booth or wherever I am to just be present inside of that experience. That's for sure a lifesaver. I love that. Yeah. So, and you're, and you're teaching, where Where are you teaching the yoga? I teach yoga at a place here in town called Cherokee Street Yoga Collective. Okay. So all the classes are give what you can. So there are no barriers to entry. Um, and then I'm pairing yoga and storytelling together in longer workshops. Ooh. So they're three hour workshops, starts with yoga and then we go into storytelling exercises um and i do that at a place in webster groves called empowered spaces um so yeah that's that's what i'm building next i just love that you're able to find these connects between these different pieces that you feel so strongly about and that wouldn't necessarily like come together in a non-creative mind you wouldn't mm like yoga yeah. and storytelling but you hearing you say it it's like no that makes sense the like <laughs> breath, breath work and yes uh, i'm sure like emotional connectivity yes all of that yes aligning your body to be fully present in the moment and then see what arises mm -hmm. i think it, oh it all... i would imagine you know what i'm coming home for two weeks in the summer <gasps> have a class i would love to take one i feel like i would just sob in one of your classes for some reason i don't know i feel like your voice would just like bring out some emotional crack inside of me. it 
probably in the best way possible, no, I'm sure. Great way. Wait, emotional cracks are always great. Like, it's always good to cry in certain ways. Um, but yes, I will. I mean, I will email you separately about that. Yeah. But. Yes. I would love to see you and love that you're coming to St. Louis in the summer. And I'm so excited for you that you're doing this. Talk about a creative outlet. I have so many questions that I was like, how are people doing anything? Help me, please. <laughs> and it's been so great to like hear everyone's different stories. Yeah. And if yeah. they tell them in different ways, they can uh, go take your classes. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I like that you are pushing the idea out there that there is no one way to do this. Yeah. No one has this mom thing down pat nor auditioning and creativity and whatnot it's just there are a hundred million ways to do this yes and i'm yeah. glad you've found your such a great way thanks thanks yeah. i'm glad you're finding your way trying we're trying here man we're all trying <laughs> it's true um it's so great to see your face too my uh my peeled orange red mm -hmm. <laughs> you look fabulous <laughs> and that's our episode thank you so much to my guest and a special thank you to my producer cecilia tripp with laurel canyon creative and thank you to edith mudge for our theme music and i hope you enjoyed having a look into mommywood don't forget to follow Mommywood Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. And please give us a nice review and a few stars while you're at it. We would appreciate it so, so much. And take care. I need to the right my butt.